We are in, uh, I don't even know what installment this is. I don't know if this is five or six or whatever. It really doesn't matter anymore. I'm just now just going. And um, if you got some notes in the room, wave them at me. Let me see if you got some notes. Great. I got so much I want to share today. And uh, I want to dive right in today to uh, a message that I'm calling uh, a church that prays, a church that prays. Last week I did a, a church that sees, talked about opening our eyes to what's going on around us. This week I'm gonna talk about a church that prays. Now, let me just by a show of hands on those that are here in the room. If you're watching online, you can participate with us and say yes or not. How many of you believe in the power of prayer? You believe in the power of prayer? Come on. How many are byproducts of the power of prayer? Good. How many believe God answers them, hears them? Okay, good, all right. Now, all right, hands down, new question. How many of you would say you struggle with prayer though? Anybody in here? How many of you would also, let me ask this question. How many would say you don't pray as much as you think you should? Raise your hand if you, wow, like everybody went right back up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How many of you feel at times that your prayers are not as effective as maybe somebody else's prayers? Anybody? Okay, good. All right, we're, I'm in the good room here. I'm gonna share just for a minute. I wanna start this whole message with why it's so difficult for us to pray. Because on one side, all of us, most of us in here raised a hand and said, I believe in the power of prayer. I believe God hears. I believe God answers. And then most of us raised our hand. And I don't know if that was, happens online as well, but most of us said, I feel like I don't pray enough. I feel like I should be praying more. So there on one side, we feel like we know God answers, and on the other side, I feel like I don't do it enough. So why, what's the, what's the difference? Why is that? So if you have some notes, I want you to write down three thoughts. Real quick, we're going to go here, and then I'm going to get into the real meat of my message. But I want us to start here on why is it so difficult for us to pray? So I'm going to give you three thoughts. First off, first thought is this, we sometimes lack focus. We sometimes lack focus. How many of you, when you're praying, you're like ADD praying? How many of you, like, you're praying, you're spending time with the Lord, and then all of a sudden you're like, squirrel! <laughs> How many you, you, the only time you think about your grocery list is when you're praying. The only time you think about, oh, did my kids grab their lunch is when you're praying. The only time often we think about just the most random, any of y'all just have just the most random, craziest thoughts while you're praying? You're like, that's not even spiritual. Where is that coming from? Okay. How many will be honest? I'll be honest. Well, let me just be honest. I won't make y'all be honest. There have been times in the middle of praying that I have fallen asleep. Anybody in here? And I've woken up thinking God must be mad at me because I didn't like log out. You know, I didn't sign out with an amen. You know what I'm talking about? Like, hey, we're still talking here. Like, there was no logging out. Like, uh, amen. I've, I, have, I have prayed and fallen asleep. Can I be honest as well? There's been some times where prayer has been boring. I feel like it's a, a bit ritualistic and all of that. And I, I think sometimes we can just lose focus while we, while we do it. And let me give you number two. We sometimes lack confidence. We just lack confidence. Like we just really don't know how to pray. Uh, we don't know if we're praying the right way. Is there a certain way that I'm supposed to pray that gets God's attention? Is there, is there something I should be saying? Is there something that I should not be saying? Are there things that I shouldn't tell God? <laughs> as if he doesn't know. <laughs> and then let's be honest, we've all probably been in a life group or you've been in church or you've been in some place where you're around somebody and they're like the professional prayer. 
Like y'all been around that person? Like they know what to say, how to say, how long to say. And like you're doing like the prayer circle and it's like going around you're like, dear God, no, 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 no. Pass, you know, you're like, pass, no, you, you pass. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like these people that like they, they pray in such a way it's so elegant and eloquent. And it's like, it's almost like even King James's, thou is lordest of the highest. And I'm like, what in the world's going on here? Like we can just lack some, some confidence when it comes to praying and they're, they're like calling out the names of God, you know, Jehovah Jireh, you're my provider and Jehovah Nisi. And you're like, what's going on? Like, I didn't know Jehovah provided Nissans and Maximas. And I mean, I knew he was a Honda Accord, but I did not know that he was a Nissan Maxima. Y- y'all been there? Come on, let's be honest. People like praying all this stuff. You're like, I didn't, is that in the Bible? Is that not in the Bible? Okay. So I think sometimes we just don't pray because we lack confidence. Honesty now, okay, quick poll online. How many of you are a bit scared to play, pray, play, pray in public, like with people hearing you? Okay, yeah, all right. So uh, we can all be there, that's real easy. Some of you, it's, it's more natural to do that. And some of you, it's like, oh, don't call on me, all right? We just lack confidence in that. All right, let me give you the last one, number three, on why I think it's so difficult for us to pray. We lack focus, we can lack confidence, Last one, sometimes we can lack faith. We can lack faith. Like, how many of you have had this happen where sometimes you pray and God just answers it? Like, it just happens. And then sometimes you forget to pray about something and then it happens anyways. And so then you're like, well, I didn't pray for that, but it still happened. And then how many of you have had this really happen, which is you have prayed and begged and pleaded, and it didn't happen. You prayed for your grandmother to get healing, and she passed away. You prayed for that job, and it didn't work out. You prayed, whatever it is, you fill in the blank, but you, you prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, and it didn't happen. And there's been times where you prayed and it did happen. There's been times where you didn't pray, and it did happen. And then there's times where you've really felt like, man, I really felt like I heard from the Lord, I felt like this was what was supposed to happen, and it happened the exact opposite of what you thought was supposed to happen. And when that happens, and you pray for something, and it doesn't go the way that you want it to go, can we all be just a real vulnerable for a moment? I almost sometimes just don't want to pray anymore. Like, I just don't want to pray anymore, because undoubtedly, it, it, my prayers aren't working. So we all just kind of give up on prayer. I prayed for my dad. I prayed my parents would never get divorced. I prayed, that, and, then, and yet this happened, and this happened, and this happened. Now, we can lack focus, and we can lack confidence, and, and we can lack faith. My prayer today, talking on prayer, is that I hopefully, through the Holy Spirit, can renew something inside of you to want to pray again if you've stopped, to want to believe again, if you've stopped, to, for those who have been praying and this a part of you that maybe we just see the Holy Spirit put some fresh fire inside of that to really pray and believe again for something. So that's my prayer today. You know, there's only one thing that the disciples asked Jesus to teach them. That he did, they did not ask him to teach them how to preach like him. They didn't ask him to teach, how, how, do, I, how do I walk on water like you? Even though that would be one thing I'd want to know. How do I raise the dead? How do I cast out demons like you do? How do, 
How do I, they didn't ask any of those things. They didn't even ask, how do I multiply that bread thing so I don't ever have to go to the grocery store again? Come on, how many mamas in here? Like, how can I just do this thing where it like cooks immediately and I don't have to cook? They didn't ask any of that. One thing that they asked Jesus to teach them is found in Luke 11, verse one. And they said, Lord, teach us to what? Teach us to pray. It's the only thing they asked Jesus to teach them. There was something about the way that Jesus prayed. Now you have to realize, these guys grew up praying prayers. These guys grew up going to the synagogue and to the temple and being trained how to pray. They had memorized scriptures. They had been, most of them, raised in Jewish homes and had mothers and fathers and grandmothers and aunts and uncles and friends that prayed. It wasn't like they had never heard prayer before. They've been growing up all around it. But there was something about the way that Jesus did it that they said, we don't know that way. And I want to learn that, that way on, on how to pray. And so when you think about Jesus, here's the craziest part. I would think if there's ever one person that really didn't need to pray, it would be Jesus. I mean, the son of God. Like fully God, fully man. If there's anyone that really probably didn't really need to pray, I would think Jesus has probably got it going on. And yet he is the one as we look through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, prioritize prayer the most. And I want to show you, and I'm going to go real quick, so if you want to pull out your phone and just take some pictures of this, and then you can just go. I'm just going to do this just for those that are note takers in here, and you just like to do deep research like I do. I went through the book of Luke and tracked every time Jesus prayed, and I'm going to share it with you. Here's every time that Jesus prioritized the presence of God, and I wanted to show you, it's, it's just two slides worth, but, but it's worth us noting how Jesus prioritized prayer. Luke chapter 3, 21, he did it before he was baptized. He prayed when crowds were following him. The Bible says he was often going off into a solitude place to pray. Before he chose his disciples, he prayed. Before feeding the 5,000, he put the bread up before his father and blessed it and broke it. Before asking his disciples a question, and this question is actually the question we've been answering that we see in Matthew chapter 16 when he says, who do people say that I am? That question was preceded with a time of prayer. He prayed before he asked his disciples that question. I'm curious as if he was wondering at what point should I bring this conversation up? Any of y'all been praying about when you should bring up a conversation with somebody? Like, God, I wanna make sure this is the right time. I know we need to talk about it, but I need to make sure it's the right time, okay? Uh, Jesus did that. Before he encountered, he had an encounter with Moses and Elijah, after they had that moment with who do you say that I am, he brought three of his disciples up to the mountain and they were praying and Moses and Elijah come and visit him and that's where you get also where the father says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. He says it twice in scripture, by the way, in his baptism and in here. And then in Luke 11, one, this is the one that we just read where he taught his disciples how to pray. When they said, teach us how to pray, immediately following that is what we call the Lord's prayer. Um, I call it the model prayer. I don't think it's the Lord's prayer. I think it's more of a model prayer, but we're not going to go on that today. We have a message on that from previous times. But Luke 18, 1, he taught them how to pray and to never give up. He taught a parable on how to pray. Uh, he prayed for Peter before Peter denied him. There's a scripture in there where he looks at Peter and he says, Peter, I have been praying for you because the enemy is trying to swift, uh, sift you like wheat, but I am praying for you. 
And yet we know, watch this, Peter still does what Jesus prayed that wouldn't happen. But I think he was praying more than just the denial. I think he was praying that he would get back up. How many of you praying for some people just to get back up? Get back up and get back going. Okay. He prayed before his arrest. Then when he was on the cross, he prayed for the men who put the nails in his hands and his feet. The person who put the spear in his side, he prayed for them. That means if you got some people that are spearing you, nailing you, criticizing you, what should you do? Pray for them. He's modeling all this stuff to us. And then watch this. Before he takes his last prayer, guess what he does? He prays. He says, Father, I, I commit my, my spirit to you. Okay. How many of you think prayer was a big deal for Jesus? It was a huge deal. Prayer was not optional for Jesus. It was a priority. It, it was something that he knew he needed to give his life to. And you say, well, what does that have to do with the series that we're in, Build Your Church? Thought we're talking about the church. We are. But because what Jesus modeled, he meant for us, if you now go to the book of Acts, I want you to see how what Jesus did, prioritizing the presence of, Jesus, uh, of God through prayer, the church did the exact same thing. The early church prioritized prayer just as much as Jesus did. Where? I'm glad you asked. Let me show you. If you want to take some more pictures, here's some more. All right. Watch this. Uh, in Acts 1, they prayed before Pentecost. When the Holy Spirit came down in Acts chapter 2, we know that. Before choosing the leaders, they prayed. Uh, the early church, after the church grew through 3,000 people. How many know the church grows 3,000 in, in one day? You need to start praying. <laughs> what are we going to do? <laughs> Uh, when they were persecuted, they prayed. And guess what? They prayed. They did not pray that they would stop getting persecuted. They prayed, God, make us bolder. God, just make us louder and bolder and more effective. Um, they, the apostles uh, prioritized prayer and the word when they told uh, the people, the church, they said, hey, we need to devote ourselves to prayer and to the preaching of God's word. Uh, they did that in Acts 6 and Acts 8. They, they prayed for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let's keep going. We've got a lot more. There's a lot of time. You almost see every chapter. It's very close. Uh, chapter 9, they prayed for the healing of the sick. How many believe that we can pray for healing and it, it can happen? Uh, for the first Gentile family to get saved, they prayed in Acts chapter 10, Cornelius. Um, that would, they were the first ones, the non-Jewish ones that got saved. That happened because of prayer. For Peter to be released from prison, prayer. For God to send out missionaries, prayer. Before appointing elders, prayer. Let's keep going. Acts 16, while in prison, they prayed and sang. We know Paul and Silas and God sets them free from an earthquake, happened through prayer before departing to go to another church. They prayed for Paul before he went to Jerusalem. He prayed to receive guidance for future plans. They prayed for signs and wonders. They prayed. All right, so here's my question. Ready? The question is this. Let's put my question up. If Jesus and the early church felt like they could do nothing on their own, and knew they needed that the father they need the, needed the father's help and strength and guidance. Why would we think we are any different? If Jesus Himself knew that He could not do this on His own, and if the early church knew that I need the Father's help, I need the Father's strength, I need the Father's guidance, then why should we think that this is any different? Prayer is not optional; it's a non-negotiable. If you want to last, if you want to make it, if you want to thrive as a Christian and as his church, prayer has to be a priority. Jesus even said this in Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21 and verse 13, talking about his church, 
This is what Jesus says about his church. He, he said to them, it is written that my house shall be called a house. Say it again. A house of, a house of, a house of prayer. Okay. Let me tell you what prayer is not. It's very important you understand what prayer is not in order for you to really know what prayer is. So, first thing is that prayer is not a formal presentation. Prayer is not a formal presentation, meaning that you don't have to kneel down to pray. There's not a certain posture that you have to be in to pray. It also means that you don't have to speak in King James to pray. Come on, how many glad for this? Thouest. It is not a formal presentation before the Lord. Prayer is not giving God your wish list. It is not us um, giving God what, what we want and what we need all the time. Does God want to know those things? Yes, but prayer is not just that. Prayer is not a cosmic Coke machine where if I lift up some prayers and push the button, then out come the answers. Just doesn't, he's, he's, he's not that. That's not what God is. I don't pray because I, I just need something all of the time. It's not me constantly just giving God my wish list. Now, that is a part of prayer, and we'll get maybe a little bit into that, but it's not all of prayer. If all of prayer is like that, I just want you to imagine what your relationship would be like with your children if the only time they talked to you is because they needed something from you. I mean, no, some of y'all are like, that is what they do. And how does that feel? <laughs> so it's, they come snuggle up on the couch right next to you, and you're like, oh, man, look at this. You put your arm around them, and they're like, Dad, I need to visit them. <sighs> I thought you were coming like to hang out with me. No, Dad, I want to go with me and my friends. I don't want to be with you. I just need $30. Okay, so that's, that's prayer for a lot of people, by the way. Nobody wants to be with God. They just want stuff from God. So prayer is not just us giving God our wish list. Let me give you another one. Prayer is not spiritual negotiation. Prayer is not, God, if you get me out of this, then I will serve you all the days of my life. God, if you do this, I will stop cussing. I will stop. I promise. It's, it's like God is like a hostage, a hostage, a hostage, a hostage negotiation thing. Like, God, if you do this, then I'll do this. And God, if you don't do this, then I won't do this. Like, that's not prayer either. And then lastly, prayer is not something you do to win God's favor. Those in here that have prayed all week, God doesn't love you more than the people who did not pray at all this week. Some of you are like, no, there's no way. Oh yeah, there's a way. Like we don't do that to earn something from God. You already have the favor of God. Okay, so whether you prayed this week or you didn't pray this week, okay, I'm trying to get the, the prayer guilt off of you. Trying to get that all off of you, okay? Because there's a lot of condemnation that comes on us when we do that. So he says, my house is gonna be called a house of prayer. So these are all things that prayer is not. Now, <laughs> let's get into the things of what happens when the church prays. What happens when the church prays? Now I will say this, this is also stuff that happens when you just pray, okay? But there is something that happens when the corporate body of of God's church prays. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna look at it from that vantage point, but I also want you to look at it from an individualized vantage point. And the first thought is this, when the church prays, intimacy is created. Intimacy is created. 
Now, I want you to imagine two different relationships. I want you to imagine one relationship, there are two businessmen. They do work together. They uh, maybe started a business together. They, um, you know, own this business together, work together, uh, make money together, make deals together, go on trips together. But really, outside of them doing anything in their work life, they really just don't really do much together outside of make money together. So there's that relationship. Okay, the relationship is only as valuable as the two men are in agreement to make money together. When money stops flowing, the relationship stops. Okay, when the business shuts down, the relationship's over. Versus two people who are madly in love with one another. They are with each other all the time. They're talking all the time. They're on the phone all the time. And, and, and honestly, they're on the phone and oftentimes not even saying anything. They're just on the phone with one another all the time. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. Okay, I'm just going to sit here and listen to you breathe. They call with no agenda other than just to hear you breathe. They just love being with one another. They love listening to one another, talking to one another. Okay. Two totally different relationships, okay? Watch this. One relationship is useful. The other relationship is beautiful. Here's my question. When it comes to God and it comes to your relationship with him, is your relationship with him just useful or is he beautiful? You see, man, I just want to be with him. Man, I just, I just want to hear from him. See, listen, you don't have to discipline yourself to talk to somebody that you absolutely love and in a relationship with. Like, oh, I gotta call them. A business partner, you do. But someone you're in love with, you're waking up, can't wait. Ah, I was just thinking about you, I had a dream about you. Oh, you must be tired. You were running in my mind all night long. Come on, y'all know them. I didn't use that, I never used that one, okay? I just want y'all to know. So, <laughs> so, so here's the question, ready? Here, let's, let's look at a question. So do you pray to get something from God or do you pray to get more of God? Yet again, I, I'm not trying to heap guilt on us, okay? I, I don't, oh man, I, yeah, I do pray to get something from, okay, that's okay, we'll, we'll talk through that. But I, I'm just trying to change our motivation about how we commune with the Lord. Prayer is just literally me talking to him, God talking to me, that's all it is. It's a relationship of two people that are in love with one another, that just want to spend time with one another. And yes, Lindsay and I absolutely love each other, and there are times that I need something from her, and there's times that she needs something from me, but our relationship is not founded on the fact that, she, that I'm useful to her it is that I am beautiful to her. That's right. And vice versa. And the reason, by, by the way, most marriages f- fail is because they go from beautiful to useful. And when they're no longer useful, I don't need you anymore. Preach! So, I will preach myself, trust me. I'm I'm so fired up. I don't even need y'all in the room right now. Um, (laughs) Hebrews 4, I want you. I'm just saying, I want you in the room. I'm just letting you know. I've been preaching this message to myself for three days now, so I'm ready to go. Hebrews 4.16. Hebrews 4.16. So, let us. Let us come. Let us come. 
boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find to help us when we need it. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace. The model prayer, the Lord's prayer starts with our Father. Okay, so he's modeling to us what this intimacy and what this relationship looks like. And let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Now, let me just tell you, you cannot boldly go into the White House right now. Yeah, you go boldly and you'd be on the ground like this. You can't go into Nottingham Palace and see the queen just whenever you want. You can't, I mean... There are so many things. None of you can just walk onto the Superdome and go try to see your favorite Saints player. You can't. You, you will get constrained. You can't. You don't have access there. And think about that the living God who made all of this that we have, who knows every hair that's on our head, that knows what we're thinking, that has every day orchestrated and planned, says, come boldly. Come on, let's come. Come on, come on. Come, come. See, because before Jesus, you couldn't boldly come before the Father because sin was there. But because of the cross, we have now unlimited access to our Father to come boldly before him and see what he has to say. You know, it's funny because I'll uh, meet with people that are new to our church and that want to have a meeting with me. Or sometimes not even new people, just people that have been in our church for a little bit. And they'll set up a meeting with Lori to, to come and sit down and, and meet with me. So we schedule it all out and I'll sit down with them and, and, um, and I'll be like, hey, what, what brings you in? And this doesn't happen all the time, but it has happened a couple of times. They're like, man, I'm just super nervous. I'm like, what are you nervous about? They're like, I've never met with my pastor before. I'm like, what are you talking about? They're like, I feel like this is like I'm in my principal's office. I'm like, what? Do you know me? See, you don't. Because if you knew me, you would be like my kids that none of them come into my office scared. They do this. Dad, dad, deal with him. Dad, dad, deal with him. Tell him that... They don't come up in there scared at all. They come up in there as bold as a lion, wanting whatever they want, asking me whatever they want. They do not care. They don't care if I'm on the phone talking to somebody. I'm, I'm looking at them. Dad, put it down. I need to talk to you right now. Dad. Okay, this, they have nothing. No inhibition. Just come straight up. They're not even nervous. They bust into that. You know why? Because I'm their dad. I'm their dad. They don't have to earn my attention. They don't have to earn my affection. They have it. I'm their dad. They're my sons. Now, I know that when we talk about this, we talk about our father who art in heaven. Some of you, that's a, that's a real pain point because when you think about God as a father, you think about your father. And you go, well, if I would have done that to my dad, that wouldn't have not gone well. Some of you couldn't boldly go to your father and make requests. Some of you were abused by your fathers. Some of you were abandoned by your fathers. Some of you were left by your father. Some of you uh, were neglected or um, didn't have one. Maybe he criticized you. And if that's you, please hear me very closely. That's not God the Father. And oftentimes we will see God the Father through the lens of our earthly father. But I want to challenge us today. I want you to maybe look at your earthly father through the lens of your godly father. 
instead of looking at your godly father through the lens of your earthly father. Because your godly father, we know he loves you. He's thinking about you. He wants to be with you. He's always there. He's ready for you. He never fails you. He can't wait to spend time with you. This is the father that we, we serve. And so I want you to see this because prayer is my chance just to be with my father. This is a chance for him to talk to me, for me to talk to him. But here's why it's so important for the church to be a praying church, be a house of prayer. Is because intimacy, as I spend time with God in prayer, doesn't just develop my intimacy with the Father, but if I'm praying with the church, intimacy is also created in the church. I love what Winky Prattney says. Winky was one of our guys that came and spoke at the camps that I went to back in the day. And I love what he says about prayer and intimacy. Watch what he says. He says this, when you pray with someone, you are building intimacy with the one you're praying for, with the one you're praying with, and with the one you're praying to. I mean, it's it's three, three different types of intimacy that are happening. The one you're praying for, the one you're praying with, and the one you're praying to. Don't neglect the power of grabbing someone's hand and saying, can you pray for me? Can we pray together? It's building intimacy with God, but it's also building intimacy with one another. So when people go, I don't really need prayer, I'm good. Why do we do the prayer in the front, in the, in the worship time? We're gonna do it again at the end. It's not because these people have nothing to do. It's because you and I need to put our faith together. There's something that happens tangibly when I grab the hand of someone or when I share what's going on in my life and our faith is connected together. Sometimes my faith is here and their faith is here and it just helps me get my faith up here. There is something very strategically different that happens when I pray with other people than when I just pray by myself. I'm telling you, it's powerful. How many just feel it at times? It's just in the room. It's a tangible thing that happens in the room. All right, so intimacy is created. Number two, second thing that happens when the church prays is burdens are lifted. Intimacy is created and burdens are lifted. Watch what Psalms says. I love this. Psalms 55 verse 22. Everybody help me here. Cast your, say it again. Cast your cares on who? On Facebook. How I many know that's where everybody casts their cares, though? It's, it's where everybody casts their complaints. It's where everybody casts their issues. And guess why you keep going through the same issues? Because you cast it on the wrong person. I cannot look to other people to do something that only God can do for me. And so he says, man, when you got cares, that word cares means burdens, weight, pressure, when I got cares, I need, to, I need to cast those cares on the Lord. And, and when I do that, he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. I need to cast my cares onto the Lord. Listen to me closely. Prayer is not designed to put a burden on you. It's designed to take a burden off of you. I don't get more stressed when I pray about stuff. I get more stressed when I don't pray about stuff. Cast literally means to throw, to throw it. I believe that this is conditional. I believe God will sustain us, but we've got to cast. I've got to cast first, and then he sustains me. 
And some of you, you feel like you, you haven't been, and it may just be because you're waiting for God to sustain you, and God's waiting for you to cast on him. God said, just cast on me. Cast it on me. Bring it on me. Hey, listen, I pump iron. I got this. I can lift this. Hey, listen, he's got the whole world. He's got the whole world. Okay, so, hey, listen, if the world's in his hands, how many know he can deal with the fact that you're late on your mortgage? He can deal with the fact that your kids are going crazy. He can deal with the fact that you don't know how you're going to provide for something. He can deal with the fact that your marriage is, is strained. He says, I got the whole world. I can handle that. Which, by the way, the Bible calls us sheep. Sheep are not burden bearers. If you're going on a trip, you don't rent out a sheep. Hey, let's go on a journey. Let's get us a sheep. No, you get like a donkey, a horse. A camel, you don't get a sheep. Because sheep aren't designed to carry loads. Hey, guess what? You're not designed to carry burdens. The furthest that your burden should go is to the feet of Jesus. And we go, Jesus, here it is. I am done. So those in here that feel, man, I'm just so exhausted. I'm just so wasted. Man, I'm just so tired. It could be that you're carrying things you were never meant to carry. Cast your cares, cast your burdens, cast the pressure of everything that's going on. Galatians 6 also says we bear with one another's burdens. So Jesus is saying, give me your burdens. And then the church is saying, let us carry and help you carry the burdens. So this is why it's so important that when the church prays and you come up to an altar or you find somebody before you leave church and say, man, can you pray for me? Burdens are being lifted. Hey, listen, and sometimes that, that means that your, your situation's not even changing. But there's a burden of it that's lifted. Do y'all get me? Like, how many have ever prayed and the situation never changed, but you changed? You ever had that happen? Like you walked out of the room, you're like, I got this. And nothing changed at all except you. And that's what prayer does. That's why it's so important for us to gather in an assembly with people of faith. Because sometimes I'm walking in and I'm, I'm a bit weary. This week, I, I sent to the guys that, that, uh, that I disciple, I sent them a list I said, guys, I need y'all to pray for me. And I sent them four things that are really, really heavy that I'm walking through right now. I said, man, can you just pray? Can you pray with me? Pray for me. Can we pray that these, God hears and answers these things? I, I'm, I'm trying to do what I'm asking you to do because I don't want to carry those things. Hey, by the way, this is God's church. He carries those things, not me. Amen. The same is true for you. All right, are we good? Are we getting something? Okay, so, so listen. So when the church prays, intimacy is created with our Father. Burdens are lifted off of our life. I get excited about these next two. Number three, miracles are expected. Miracles are expected. I think many of our failures in prayer are not because we're asking too much. We're asking too little. It's not that we're asking for too big of things. We're asking for too small of things. 
God bless this food and this quarter pounder and help it not add calories to me. Listen, can I just tell y'all right now, stop asking for the quarter pounder not to add to you, okay? God can't bless stupid, okay? So, listen, hey, come on, y'all, are y'all with me? Hey, listen, I do the same thing, okay? I'm, ain't no judgment here, but I can't, listen, I can't have a quarter pounder, a 32-ounce thing of Dr. Pepper, thing with cheese, fried French fries, and go, God, just make it nourish my body. God's like, you are full. You are full. <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but y'all are there. Okay. So, so, which by the way, if he does that, that is a miracle. <laughs> You said to expect miracles. Okay, yeah. Anyways, let me keep going. So there's a story of Alexander the Great, one of the greatest emperors that um, conquered so much. And one of his generals came to him and and requested a time to to get with Alexander the Great. He uh, got his request granted. He's standing before Alexander the Great. And Alexander the Great says, General, what could I do for you? The general says, I have never asked anything of you, but I'm asking one thing. He says, what's the one thing? He says, my daughter is getting married in a couple of months, and I'm asking, would you pay for it? And uh, Alexander the Great said, General, you've done so much for me, um, and you have never asked anything of me. I would be more than happy to. I want you to go talk to the treasurer and get your daughter married. A couple of weeks go by and the treasurer then comes to Alexander the Great and says, Emperor, you need to deal with that general. And he says, why do you ask? He says, do you know what he just asked for? He said, what did he ask? He just asked that we would pay for his daughter's wedding. He's like, yeah, I told him. He said, no, no, no. This is going to be the most extravagant wedding the empire has ever seen in the history of the empire. He says, I think you need to deal with him and put him in prison. He says, no, I'm not going to do that. I want you to give him everything he asked for. He said, what? He said, yes. Why would you do that? He said, because he just paid me two compliments. One, compliment number one, is he thinks I'm wealthy enough to actually afford that. And number two, he thinks I'm generous enough to actually give it to him. So give him both. Y'all realize like we have a God that has endless supply. And we have a father that wants to answer the request of his children. Many of our prayers don't get answered, not because they're too much, but because they're too little. And God, I pray that we would not be a big church that prays small prayers, but I pray that we would be a big church that prays bold prayers that only God can get the credit for. Are y'all with me? Only God can get the credit for. And if you look all throughout the book of Acts, you'll see stories of this, of just the miraculous things that happened and miracles that, that just didn't, weren't just surprising. They were expected. And I wanna show you one of them. Acts chapter 12 it's the story of Peter when he was in prison, which, by the way, he was in prison a couple times. Um, but this was the first time that he was in prison. And uh, I want you to see what happens. Look, it says, so Peter, verse 5, so Peter was kept in prison. But, what? Earnest prayer. Earnest prayer. Passionate prayer. Faithful prayer. 
persistent prayer, earnest prayer for him was made to God by who? By the church. Notice this. This is Peter's not praying for himself. People, the church is praying for Peter. And earnestly, I mean, they're going after heaven, asking God to deliver, deliver Peter, deliver Peter. God, we know that you can't. God, show up. We don't know how long they prayed. We don't know. All we know is that the church rallied to a moment and just prayed and believed and trusted God for a miracle. And if you know the story, God sends an angel to go and unlock the door and walk him out. And I love, I, I love what uh, Thomas Watson said. Watch this. Thomas Watson said this. The angel fetched Peter out of prison, but it was prayer that fetched the angel. <laughs> the angel went and fetched him out, but it was prayer that fetched the angel. Here's my question. Does Peter get out if the church doesn't pray? I don't know. But I know that he did because. I know that he did because. How many of you in here, show of hands, if you're online as well, if that's you, need a miracle? Like you need God to show up in some way or some form. I want you to just raise your hand right now. I want you to raise your hand. Okay, I want you to do this. We're going to stop for a moment. We're going to believe, okay? We're going to believe for miracles to happen. If that's you, I want you to raise both hands right now. If that's you that's online, I want you to raise both hands right now, right there where you are, and we're going to believe for God to do what he says that he can do. We're going to pray with an expectation. Listen, I want the supernatural to become so natural to us. So, Father, right now in this moment, God, I pray. God, I pray for a miracle to happen in the lives of your people. We come with faith. We come with our belief. But God, it's not the the size of our faith. It's the size of our God that we put our faith in. And so God, we come together. We agree together for you to do what only you can do in this moment. I pray for healings to happen for those that are sick, God. Lord, I pray, Lord, for lost sons and daughters and husbands and family members to come back home to know you. God, I pray, Lord, for depression and addiction to be broken in Jesus' name right now. God, I pray, Lord, for financial breakthrough to happen. I pray for raises and jobs. I pray for houses to be found. I pray, God, for wisdom to be given where there needs to be wisdom for decisions that need to be made. Lord, we believe that you can do the miraculous. You can do what no man can ever do, can ever accomplish. We put our faith in you. We trust you. We rely on you. And we give praise to you in this this moment knowing that you can do this in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, amen. Hey, listen, if we give God praise after the miracle, that's called gratitude. If we give God praise before the miracle, that's called faith. It's called faith. And I want this to be a house of faith. Can we do this right now? Let's pray for Pastor Bubba right now. Let's just pray. Father, we love you. God, we lift up our founding pastor before you. God, we thank you, Lord, for for the man of God that he is. We know what doctors have said, but God, you are the final say. 
And so God, we just come to you with our faith, believing that you can do the miraculous. So God, we continue to speak to every cancerous cell to be uh, abolished, to be eliminated, and to be removed from his body. God, we pray for his lungs to be filled with the breath of God right now, God. Lord, we pray over the family and over Miss Tracy and their children, God. Encourage them, strengthen with strengthen them in this time in Jesus' name. God, we pray for the Crowley campus right now. God, we thank you for the new property you've given us. Lord, now provide, God, provide, supernaturally provide the resources that we need to build that building there. Lord, we just thank you for all that you're doing in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Hey, I want you to do something. I want you to start this practice, and that is that I want you to start writing down really big, bold prayer things. My question is, is if God answered all of the prayers that you prayed last week, would they be big enough? Would they be big enough? Maybe there's a lost one that, that you just like, they're just never gonna come to the Lord and you have just kind of stopped. Come on, may this be a house where we expect miracles. I come in on Sunday and I believe for, for bones to be restored. I believe for sight to be recovered. I believe for addictions to be broken. I, listen, I know that some things take time, but I know God can do things in an instant too. And I'm gonna believe for the instant. I'm gonna believe that he can. Y'all fired up? I'm fired up. Okay, so, all right. Number four, last one, is we're gonna pray, when the church prays, God's kingdom is advanced. God's kingdom is advanced. Oh, I love this part. So Mark chapter five of the story when Jesus was in the boat with the disciples and the storm breaks out and all that stuff and Jesus goes, peace be still. Everybody knows that story? Okay, tells them to go and peace be still. Okay, cool story. They get to the other side and, and th- those guys didn't realize that on the other side there was gonna be someone waiting for them. This wouldn't just be any person. Uh, Jesus would get out of the boat and there would be a demon-possessed man that would come out and meet them right there when they got out of the boat. And the Lord began to really speak to me a lot in this, in this uh, specific chapter. Because in verse nine, it says this, Jesus looks at the man who's demon possessed and he says, what is your name? And he says, he replies, my name is Legion for we are many. Now, the Greek word for legion uh, literally means thousands. Most theologians believe it could be anywhere between 4,000 and 6,000. Meaning this is a man that has four to 6,000 demons living up inside of him. He says, we're legion, we are many. And he began, now watch this. He began begging him repeatedly not to send them out of the what? That seems weird. I would think he would say, don't kick us out of the man. But he says, don't kick us out of the region. This story often, when I've read it, I've always thought that it was about a man that was demon possessed. It was never about a man. It was about a land. It was about a region. These, these 6,000, 4,000, 6,000, whatever demons had set up strongholds in a region. And they said, hey, 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 we know you got power to kick us out. You can kick us out of the man. Don't kick us out of the region. But I mean, oh, when Jesus steps foot into that region, all of hell broke loose. 
And how many know when, when we, being people filled with the Spirit of God, everywhere that we step, we put the devil on notice. I'm here. You step foot on your job, and you're like, I'm here. And you go into your school, and you're like, I'm here. Because the demon was never after the man. He was after the region. He was after there being strongholds over an entire region. This was Decapolis. This was a, 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 10 cities. 10 cities. So it's almost like the enemy was going, hey, Jesus, you can go back to the other side. We're good over here. And Jesus says, no, nah, I'm here. I'm here now. Which, by the way, I've, I've wondered if that's why the storm they had to go through to get there. Could the storm been a deterrent for them to turn back around? Think about that for a moment. So they go through a storm, then they get to the other side. How many know when you go through a storm, you're like, whew, I'm done. And then a demon pops up. And not just one, 4,000. How many of y'all felt like you faced 4,000 demons from every direction? And if you know the story, Jesus, it wasn't a fight. He says, you got to go. Kicks the demons out. They go into a herd of pigs and they go over a side and it's all this huge deal. And I want you to see what the rest of this verse says. In verse, what's the next verse? Verse 18. It says, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon possessed begged to go with him. Man, let me go. Let me go with you. I want to be one of the disciples. Let's go. I want to go. And look what the next verse says. But Jesus said, no. Go home. Go home. Go to your family. And I want you to what? Tell them everything. All right? Everything. Everything what? That the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the 10 towns of that region. He's going from town to town to town to town to town to town to town. And he began to proclaim the great things that Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. Come on, how many know this region needs to hear what Jesus has done in your life? Your neighborhood needs to hear what Jesus has done in your life. Your family needs to hear what Jesus, well, they don't like it. Well, you can just let all the demons know I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Hey. Y'all know the demon don't, none of these demons over here like our Savior's church. You realize that, right? You know we're about to do Freedom Conference in a couple of weeks. How many know the demon doesn't like what's about to happen in the next couple of weeks? Like all of hell shudders at this. And here's how I know. Because Matthew chapter 16, the whole, whole verse that we've been looking at says this. And I tell you, Peter, on this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I've always thought, I've always, when I've read this, I've always thought that, that, that the church had gates around it and that all of hell was busting up against the gates of the church and that nothing could get into the church. But this is not the truth. This is not the truth. What he's saying is, is that the enemy has gates around people and the Bible says that, that the gates of hell will not prevail. So when a man of, or woman full of the spirit walks into an area that the enemy has had gates around, those gates that the enemy has put around entertainment industry can't hold it. Those gates that the enemy's put around your family, they can't hold you. Those gates that the enemy has put around, come on, y'all know addiction and divorce that's been in your family for years and years and years. The Bible says that I'm going to build my church and they're going to storm up into that and go, this is it. What Jesus is saying is not that hell won't be able to plunder our kingdom. It's that Satan will not be able to stop our plundering of his kingdom. Hell doesn't want God's ministers in it. 
When a church prays, we go from playing defense to playing offense. We're not just defending all the arrows. We have offensive power to go into places. Here's how I'll end. All right, I'm done. Keep reading a couple of verses later. And in verse 19, actually just the next verse says this, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I'm gonna give you the keys. I'm gonna give the church my keys, okay? And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I'm gonna give you the keys, okay? I'm gonna give you the keys. I'm gonna give you the keys. Now, it's your responsibility what you do with the keys. These keys right here have access to every building on this property, okay? You can get into any place on this property with these keys right here. And if I give them to you, you can go in any of those buildings that you want because you now have the keys to do it. Here's my question. Everything that the enemy is trying to stop in our lives, God's given us the keys to overcome. God's given us the keys of victory. God's given us the keys. The question is, what are you doing with the keys he's given you? Hey, by the way, you don't have to beg for the keys. After the cross and resurrection, he says, they're all yours. You can have them. Don't lose those. Those are the church keys. Okay. So. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to end with this. Prayer is not what we're called to do. It's how we're called to live. Prayer is not an action. It's not something, it is an action, but it's not what we do. It's how we live. We live in prayer. We live in a, a constant state of prayer. And when I hear people say, man, I just don't really have time to pray. Listen to me. You don't have time not to. Prayer is the most powerful weapon that you have been given. Prayer gives you access to a father. It creates intimacy with him. It lifts burdens from you. It creates miracles in your life. And of course, it advances the kingdom of God in your life. Prayer is huge. We are in a war. We're in a spiritual war, whether you know it or not. And if you're not praying, you're losing. And if you're not praying, you're taking steps back and you're giving the enemy territory that he never has had. So you go up in your old house, and you just start praying over your house right now and go, no, 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 this is God's house. This is God's house right here. God's given this to me. Well, you go, well, how should I pray? When should I pray? Where should I pray? Well, First Thessalonians says it this way. It says, never stop praying. Never stop praying. You're like, man, Pastor Josh, I have a hard time like praying five minutes a day. No, that's not what he's saying. He's not talking about a designated time. He's saying that at all times you can be praying. How many know you can pray anywhere, any way, anyhow, with anyone at all times, prayer can happen at any moment. And it's just us listening to the whisper of God, us declaring God, his word. It's in prayer that he will speak to you, encourage you. And so listen, if prayer has been a guilt thing on you, get that guilt off of you and just go spend time with your daddy. He wants to listen to you, he wants to hear you and he wants to answer you. Can I get an amen from someone in this church? <clears throat> Father, we love you. And God, we just dedicate this, this message to you. I pray that this would be seeds that get planted deep in the hearts of your people. We want this house to be a house of prayer. God, may that not just be said of this church. May that be said of our homes. 
God, that our homes are homes of prayer. Our workplaces are workplaces of prayer. Our schools are places of prayer. God, everywhere that we go are places of prayer. Not because it's something we do, it's how we live. In constant communication with you, connection with you, dependence on you. We need you. We need you, God. And God, we thank you, Lord, that your, your ears are open to hear the cries of your people. So Lord, we, we, we just wanna know you. We wanna get more of you. Thank you, our Father. Thank you, our Father. You are a good Father. And even though we've walked through pain, none of that was because of you. Your heart is drawn to us. So Father, we, we come to you right now in this place. God, we thank you, Lord, for, for your word. We thank you, God, that it, it, it just, it not only penetrates, I pray that it grows roots. And I pray that you would just revive a passion for prayer in this house. We love you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Come on, can we give Jesus some praise for who he is? Amen.